0: Hello there. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Not The Top 20 podcast. This is a recap of final weekend, the last round of fixtures of the EFL regular season. They were split up, so we had early on Saturday. League 2 in the evening on Saturday, League 1. And Sunday was the finale of the championship. I'm Ali Maxwell. I've got George Ellick alongside me. and, And George... This is not going to be a lengthy podcast, is it? Not just because it's Bank Holiday Monday and we'd love to spend some time with our loved ones at some point, but also because, well, already today we've been seen and heard and there's going to be a lot more of that in the coming days.
1: Yeah, I like that you've said that I'm alongside you when we're actually miles and miles apart. <laughs> uh, we're doing this over the phone. So for once, I'm actually not alongside you. Um, in but yeah, spirit. as you say, it was... Um, yeah, this morning I went down to... The Times and did the game podcast um, with some of the biggest names in the game. It was there with uh, with Natalie Sawyer, the host, Gabriel Marcotti uh, and Alison Rudd as well, which was pretty cool to talk about the playoffs, mainly the championship, um, because we are the kind people at the Times have very kindly asked us to write their playoff previews. So it was to push that, and that was very, good when they came
0: home. Very kind of us to agree to do that for the time. Yeah, um, <laughs> and and just remember, I've listened back to the game. For those who, who might want to go and listen, uh, here's one reason to. You ended up in a discussion with Gab Marcotti about Stuart Webber being the right answer for Manchester
1: United. Is that right? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was more just the discussion. I mean, Gabriel, uh, Gab said he was very... Open about not really knowing much about the leagues, and he was questioning why Norwich, Sheffield United, and Leeds—three teams who, who, by no means, had the most expensively assembled squads—were therefore the three at the top of the, at the table. Which is actually probably as good a question as you're ever really going to get. And so I tried to answer that with, with some logic, explaining the likes of why why you know Webber's been so important to Norwich and and such, um, and then somehow he ended up talking about Manchester United. But uh, but no, it was good fun, and yeah, hopefully people enjoy it. Yeah, and uh,
0: we were split up. I was down uh, with Sky Sports News, running through various bits and balls from across the EFL, which was very good fun as ever. Looking forward to being back and, on there with you at some point.
1: Well, and you look great as well. Oh, as thank I, said, I, you. I I raced back home so I could catch the second half an hour, and uh, I was just really enamoured by your green shirt, so really good.
0: Well, fantastic. I think generally I don't win the sartorial battle between the two of us, so it's just happy to make the most of, of my solo appearance let look let's let's get into the meat and drink because the other reason why this isn't going to be too lengthy is we're going to avoid any chat about the playoffs and the reason is that tomorrow is our big day of recording playoff Preview content, and we're really pulling out all the stops. These will be the first ever pods of ours that will be videoed uh, and therefore available as videos uh, as soon as possible. They will also be released as podcasts. We're planning on doing one for each division, so hopefully, there'll be lots of good stuff for you to get your teeth into over the coming days. Before we get going, the first game is on Thursday evening. And I believe that's Newport against Mansfield. And that slightly gives away something we're going to talk about later. But please do make sure you're subscribed because we're going to really put a lot into these playoff preview uh, episodes. And we hope that you will enjoy them. We've got special guest Paul Hurst Uh, a a great friend of the pod after his appearance on NTT20 Meets, and also someone who has been in seven playoff campaigns in 10 years as a manager, which is quite remarkable. Uh, And pro punter Nick Goff as well, who is going to give some fantastic insight. Um, He he knows more about football than most, but he also knows a fair amount about punting. So in conjunction with, with Black Tite, we're looking forward to those. George, let's start at the championship. Yesterday, final day, we're going to rattle through some of the big things that went down, and and let's not break the habit of a lifetime. Let's talk about Norwich right at the top of the pod. Uh, we're going to bid farewell to the Norwich and the Sheffield United fans, but it was Norwich who secured the title, beating uh, Aston Villa away and uh, and rightful title winners. You would you would say you you have to say that, don't you? Well,
1: I think after that, I mean it's basically a fairly pointless result and a fairly pointless game. But I think if there's going to be a match at the moment that can confirm a team's status as the best in the championship, going to Villa Park and getting a result, is, is probably up there <laughs> in terms of, of what you can achieve, especially after a week's worth of celebrations, and especially given <laughs> that Villa, um, you know, v- Villa season is still very much, uh, you know, it, it's in, in the crux of it at the moment, and they'd have been very keen not to drop points. I, I think you could a tell. few
0: Villa players rested, of course. There
1: were, but then having said that, Dean Smith's interview after the game, um, wasn't one of a manager who was happy to see his team go down. I think he felt hard done by, by the result, and um, and that competitive edge, you know, doesn't 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 get lost. Mm. Um, but yeah, massive for, for Norwich to do so. I'm very sad to be saying farewell to them. I'm um, sadly, I don't think we're going to get um, our favourite man Stuart Weber jumping ship and moving to another Championship team as he did a couple of years ago. Um, so our our time of being uh, of being that the the, the Weber. Fan club uh, is slightly over, but I'm pretty sure there are going to be other people blowing that trumpet for the next couple of uh, couple of years.
0: Interestingly, and this is a little peek behind the curtain to those who wonder maybe whether when we're off air we just don't really bother talking to each other because we talk to each other so much on air. But it was actually just a few hours ago you messaged me with a, a stat that absolutely blew your mind, which involved Norwich.
1: Well, yeah, I was going to save this for tomorrow.
0: <laughs> well, you could just use the Norwich part of this, you don't have to use the other part of it.
1: Yeah, so Norwich have conceded the fourth well I mean it's it's a difficult one because Bolton's uh, home game to Brentford goes down as a 1-0 loss but we don't really know but anyway third or fourth however you want to take it in terms of goals conceded at home this season only Rotherham maybe Bolton and Aston Villa have conceded more which I just can't believe Um, and I think that's 34 um, from their games so that is I mean it's, it's a bit of a concern really
0: it's hard <laughs> it's a concern it's a, yeah, it's a it's a big quirk isn't it Their home it, it's form. hard
1: it's hard to sit here and, and wax lyrical about a team and you're also saying they've conceded more goals at home than the most but um still finding a way to, to pick up the results um and those uh, maybe not such a surprise when you think about how inexperienced although talented their their fullbacks are um but something they're definitely gonna have to iron out next season because i'm pretty sure that if they you know if, if they uh Concede if they've conceded the the, the second or third most goals in the Premier League next season at home. So I think we'll be talking about Norwich again quite soon.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean there there was a few quirks to this Norwich season as well. Was uh, the fact that they've been that their most regular half-time scoreline at Carrow Road was one nil down six times. They were one nil down out of their twenty-three. The next best was nil nil. So very rarely were they actually leading. Out of these six times they were one nil down uh, at uh, half-time, they only lost one of them. Uh, by one goal to nail. so they they were. I mean, they they had their peaks and troughs within games. That's fair to say. And actually, Ben Mayhew of Experimental Three Six One has released a load of fantastic um, statistical data and and looking at the EFL in in really fun ways uh, on his website Experimental Three Six One today. And and there's one part which it shows how long each EFL club spent uh, in different game states. So either winning or drawing or losing and um Sheffield United, who finished second, uh, they, they could only draw against Stoke uh, on the weekend. They were losing 9.6% of the whole season uh, and Norwich 20.8%, so more than twice as often. At Bramall Lane, quite by contrast to Norwich, that was an absolute fortress for Sheffield United. They were behind for less than an hour in total, across 23 games at Bramble Lane. That home season ticket has been sensational. But they weren't champions. They weren't champions. Norwich were.
1: But there's there's an interesting kind of... If you look at the context around both squads, in Sheffield United, you've got a, a squad of players who, for the most part, have, have been around A block, whether that's the League, league One or lower half championship. I mean, there are more, I would say... not. I mean, and Chris Wilder as well, a more experienced bunch of players... Um, you know, your are and and Sharps and Basham's and, and and the like. And then Norwich, on the other hand, you've got a bunch of players who are supremely talented, but, but lack that experience, especially in England. So I suppose it's not a massive surprise that you've got one team who, who may not have got as many points, um, but being kind of more, I guess, functional in a, in the way that we'd expect. Whereas you've got another one whose ceiling is so much higher. I mean, these guys could go on to such, you know, they're they're basically forming their career at the moment and they're the ones who have a bit more of a quirk and a bit less... Um, not necessarily what you'd expect in having to come back from from difficult positions. And maybe there's some logic to the madness.
0: I'm really going to miss Vrancic's left foot. I'm really, really going to miss it. Absolutely sensational. And uh, we look forward to seeing how they and Sheffield United get on in the Premier League. Below that, um, well, Leeds already knew that they were going to be in the playoffs and they signed off with a defeat to Ipswich, 3-2 at Portman Road, and Ipswich turned into Ajax for their second goal. I don't know if you've seen this. I don't know if the listeners yes. have seen this, but you absolutely must search it out. We retweeted a video uh, on Sunday, so if you scroll down your timeline, you'll find it. It was Andre Dozel with it, and that was a nice touch for him after a difficult few seasons of injury, but still so young and such a talent. Could be such a key part of their team in League 1. Uh, and also, just a lovely gift to their long-suffering fans uh, who've had such a tough season. That, that...
1: What, what, what I found really weird about the goal was just how unleads the defending was i mean whilst i mean not taking anything away from the move and the, and the way they kind of knocked around them is was obviously brilliant and it's a fantastic goal but they were kind of just sitting off them i mean i guess it maybe mm. basically at the end of the season and it's not quite as uh, you know the intensity maybe wasn't there but it was well, it's a definitely tribute- some, definitely
0: some concerning Uh, features of Leeds' defensive play over the last few weeks. So, you know, even though it was somewhat of a dead rubber, that that is not going to make the fans feel any better, is it? And the winning goal, uh, even more so. That was an absolute shambles. Mm. Um, Kiko Kassia, with his three Champions League winning medals, uh, is going to have to make sure he doesn't head into the playoffs with that sort of ricket in him. Uh, And also... Also, sorry, Leeds fans, but we, we should mention that Kamaru have missed a penalty in that game as well. So it really was just a, a fairly miserable day at the office for Leeds. But they head into the playoffs and we're going to preview these in depth. But who were they going to play in the playoffs? The battle for sixth was a big battle. And George, let me take you to... I'm trying to work out what time it would have been. I've just remembered these games didn't start at three o'clock, and now I've slightly bottled it. Let me so, take yeah. you. Let me take you to just after half time, um, approximately one thirty p.m. Uh, there was a, a few minutes where Middlesbrough uh, went ahead against Rotherham, uh, and then that was in the first half. And then just after the second half started, West Brom equalised against Derby to make it one-one. And just for a fleeting moment, uh, Middlesbrough were in the playoffs in sixth spot and Derby were out of it and West Brom would have just needed one more goal and then they would have moved up to third with Leeds losing at Ipswich so it, it was moving around a fair bit it's fair to say but Derby came back and won 3-1 and you know fair play to you George every time I, I tickled you with the phrase bottle job you threw it back in my face and, and Derby had a whole crate of bottles
1: well, yeah, it was a cut job. I think this one. Um, yeah, they absolutely smashed it, and huge credit to uh, to everyone. I mean, you can't everyone. <laughs> uh, well, you mean, you can't only give it to Lampard and, and and Morris, but they obviously do deserve credit. I mean, in in the in Derby's is that, is last. Is
0: that Jody Morris or is that Mel Morris?
1: Jo- Jody. I think oh, Mel I Morris deserves that. some credit for how but he's <laughs> uh,
0: played around with the accounts this season
1: with the with the um, old stadium. But the. Uh... I mean, yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't have necessarily thought that they were um, the team that I didn't think they had it in them to go on the run they've been on. But in their last twelve games in the championship, um, they've won six, uh, drawn five, and lost one. So that is the kind of run to to put you. I mean, and and to get into the playoffs on on closing day. I think we're not going to talk about the playoffs, but I think to take them lightly at this stage would be would be a mistake because there's no denying the qualities they've got in their team. We, we've Everyone knows all about um, Mount and, uh, and Wilson, who both seem to be coping with the rigours of this season fine. Like They're both still in, in decent format, goal-scoring form as well. So, yeah, for whatever reason, I have fallen into this trap as well. I think you have too, where they're almost not really taken too seriously. But pretty soon, that's going to have to change.
0: Yeah, I mean, aside from from Mount, Tomori was excellent in this game. Of course, Derby's player of the season. That, that Mount's still getting... Mount still seems to be the first name out of everyone's mouth uh, when they talk about Derby, and, and I'm sort of I'm trying to somewhat rail against that. To be honest, I mean I know that he he, he is fantastic, and his record, or rather Derby's record with him in the side uh, versus without him, uh, is huge. But for me, Tomori is is, is the real. Well, just the sensational loanee in this squad this season, and that's partly because he has been almost ever-present, um, but also just the way in which he's, he's he's taken the leap. This is now his third loan at this level. Of course, he was with Brighton the season they won promotion. He was struggling to get in front of Dunk and Duffy for obvious reasons. Uh, and, and, and with Hull last season, it was a bit of a chaotic Hull side, wasn't it? And he wasn't always playing centre-back, sometimes at right-back. And, and again, it was hard to stand out in that team, but... It's not hard to stand out when you're putting in performances like he does. The pace that he has to make recovery tackles is absolutely sensational and quite helpful because he does play in a team where the odd error at the back, whether it's Keo, whether it's one of the fullbacks, whether it's maybe whoever's screening Johnson or, or someone like that, Tamori is 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 mopping up more often than not. And I thought Jaden Bogle had a very good game down the right-hand side. If it wasn't for Reese James, if it wasn't for Max Aarons, Bogle this season would be you know, one of the, the, if not the championships star young fullback, but, um, you know, such is the quality in that position. But he he put in a wonderful cross for the opening goal. And with Wilson playing really very, very narrow, despite sort of nominally being the right winger. uh, Bogle, you know, has to do that job that that a lot of modern fullbacks do, do do basically both jobs. And I thought he did that very, very well. So Derby uh, into the playoffs. Uh, West Brom were very West Brom, weren't they? I mean, they they had spell I don't I, I still don't really know how to properly describe this West Brom team. You kind of have to watch a fair few games to to even to even try and understand it. Because they just yeah. they, they, they have spells, but not even extended spells in games. Essentially they put together a decent attack, like once every ten minutes. And apart from that, like they and they're relatively solid. Well, hegazi's quite good, I think, at the back. I'm not sure Bartley's up to that much. I don't know where he was where he was even looking for the first goal when Waghorn stole in to head home. It did strike me that when you've got three center backs uh, and the opposition have got one striker, it's not ideal when the opening goal is is that one striker rising to head home. So I'm um, still plenty of question marks for West Brom and you know the way that there was also like when it was 1-1 and and I know that they might have not got the message about Leeds, but if they'd got a goal, they could have put themselves into third and they could have been looking at a game against Against Middlesbrough against, rather than Villa. Yeah, and they didn't, yeah, I mean, yeah. they obviously didn't know that because, well, they can't have known that. The way that they were acting, there was a bit of time-wasting going on. Johnston got booked and you were just... I was screaming at the telly, just, you know, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was quite frustrating, I must say.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Um, game management, when I mean, we've spoken about it with other teams this season, My game management doesn't seem to be the best. Certain people are not quite understanding the positions that they're in. Um, but as you say, I mean... <laughs> I feel like I never say anything nice about this West Brom team. Yet they've scored a handful of goals and they've got eighty points this season. So I know, um, I feel they've the done a bit right.
0: I know, I know. <laughs> um, and and the big one was Brentford against Preston. This was the battle for the top half. Um, they they were level on points going into this one, and so whoever whoever got the win was going to finish in the top half. And it was Brentford at, at home. Preston have really tailed off in the last few weeks of the season, which is a shame. But I've no doubt that that Alex Neal will have a fairly strong idea of what to do this summer. And and they've, they've shown nothing in the last few summers to, to suggest that their recruitment will be anything other than fairly joined up and fairly savvy. So we look forward to seeing how they do. And Brentford as well, always an exciting prospect in the summer well, transfer window, depending on how many of their players they can keep.
1: And yet again, it's just the same story where we're sitting here at the end of a season and in 2019. So since January, uh, they've picked up the fifth most most points in the championship. And you have to feel like if they can keep hold of of certain key players, I mean, they're not going to keep hold of all of them. But um, but if they can keep the majority of the squad together, um, Thomas Frank has gone, in my mind, from being a... You know, a coach that we were a bit concerned about to now looking like one of the savviest coaches in the league, really. Um, I think that the way he goes about, the way they're set up in games and the way he can change games in 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 you know in running uh, is unbelievably impressive. And almost now, even though I'm a huge fan of Dean Smith and, and the job he's doing at Villa's is great, it feels like a better fit. It feels like he's more the kind of coach that needs to be with this team. So, mm. I mean, broken record and everything, but, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how Brentford get on next season. Brentford promotion?
0: No, I mean, they're, yeah, they're just a very... He kind of represents the club very well. They, they strike me as a very calm club. They don't really overreact to anything. Um, they they obviously had a massive bereavement off the field uh, this season with Rob Rowan passing so suddenly. But um, in handling Dean Smith's departure to Aston Villa, which would have derailed many a club, uh, in handling what has been a fairly thin squad, which has been affected by injuries at time, and in handling what was a very difficult run of form, of course, at the start of Frank's regime, which... Um, you know, there are many clubs who might have panicked, who might have overreacted, but uh, Frank himself remained calm and it seems to have sort of projected uh, onto the players. Um, we waved goodbye to Reese James. Uh, he was captain for the day at Wigan, of course. He will head back to Chelsea. We don't know whether he will be part of the Chelsea squad next season, but for all who saw him this season, George, he's, you know, he, he's probably the one that you just think, well, if you can't use him, then I'm not really sure if there's any point having anyone. He, I mean, maybe may the best loanee... I've seen, or I can remember seeing it at this level. Certainly, first time, Loney.
1: Well, yeah, and you have to wonder where Wigan would be without him, um, as well, because they weren't that far clear of that of that bottom three um, come the end of the season. And, and as you say, so it's, I mean, unbelievably impressive, but also his consistency and how good he was was, was something that really struck me for a first time Loney. I mean, you hear about about that difficult first loan because it's you know it's it's, it's something new to be, to get used to, and even though often talent can kind of shine through, it's doing it consistently impacting games positively um, on a consistent basis, which is difficult. But James has managed that so easily. And I do think even in kind of six or eight months' time, we're going to look back at the at the clutch of players who are playing in the Championship this season, um, who are destined for much, much bigger things. And, and fingers crossed we get another similar batch uh, next time.
0: What a treat it's been. Uh, in League One, let's start with the relegation battle. This was kind of the big thing. And boy, did it swing back and forth throughout the afternoon. Um, let's get because there are a few games that were going to affect things let's get the nil nils out the way so we had shrewsbury nil walsall nil and george this is the end of the line in league one for for walsall a, a team who i think at the start of september seemed to be well had just started so well started so hot didn't they and they they were right up there they were the surprise package but essentially from mid-september onwards they've been about as bad as it gets and and um just a, a bit of a mess it's it's one of those ones where there's such disappointment from the fans, there's a lot of disillusion from the fact that the the board don't appear to be particularly ambitious in the way that they run the club. And also a, a lack of imagination, a lack of creativity, certainly in their player recruitment, but it also in their manager recruitment. Um, a lot of just well, who have we got in our phone book and who do we know lives nearby? Let's give them a go. And I think the fans... I, think, well, no, I mean, seriously, like... I know, um, I know. When, whether it was Whitney, whether it was Keats, whether it was O'Connor...
1: Um, well then, th- but then but then you go one further back and, you know, Smith's doing OK now and he was a local lad. So, I mean, I, I get what you mean, where they do seem to kind of all fit the, a certain pattern. Um, but at the same time, if you spoke to Warsaw fans in, in mid-September about the managerial appointment of Keats or the recruitment, when you're looking at someone like Ferrier... Um, who was certainly kind of taken from a from a an unlikely pool then, then the conversation is very different and naturally you know when you, when you have a team who's been relegated especially after the season uh the, sorry, the start of the season they had it's going to hurt even more and it's going to be more downbeat than, than if it had been a, a difficult start but um also it's not a massive club I think it's going to be hard to show huge ambition
0: well that's what I was gonna that's what I was going come on to say is that actually budget wise and size of club wise they, they are they are not really up there in terms of League One, right towards the bottom and probably in League Two won't even have one of the bigger budgets. So there's a part of me, I, I know it's an annoying thing to say, there's a part of me that almost, I, I, ju- I just applaud a team that isn't like massively overextending itself just to stay in League One or to to try and get up to the championship when when that would mean putting the club in danger. And you know, we're going to talk about Scunthorpe in a second. I'm very worried about Scunthorpe and that's partly because uh, you know, they've gambled and and they've and that's backfired, and we've seen other clubs of similar size do the same thing, like berry Um so I, I, I suppose, and I know that fans reckon a lot of fans do recognize this, and they say, you know we'd rather have a club that isn't overdoing it, that it isn't overextending itself and isn't going to risk its very existence. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you should settle for just being like, well, if our budget is League two, then let's just uh, let's just be happy. Uh, with what has been a, a very disappointing season. Uh, the other nil-nil was Bradford nil, AFC Wimbledon nil. So let's get a bit positive here, George. Wimbledon survive. Now, essentially, we definitely did not pick this until a few weeks ago. Like, there was a point where they were 10 points from safety. Um, but Wally Downs believed, didn't he? And and we didn't really know what to expect from him as a manager. But what can you say? One of the stories of the season.
1: Yeah, definitely. I was thinking today, if he if did alternative manager managers of the season. I think um, Downs and Campbell would have to be number one, in, you know, League One and League Twos by an absolute mile because um, similar jobs, I mean, very different profiles of guys, but for what they've done at the clubs uh, at Macclesfield and, um, and at AFC at has been incredible. And, you know, there was almost um, some ridicule, I guess, when, when, he, when he got the job. Um, when you think about some of the names that were initially linked as well, mm. Um, it, it didn't seem to be the plan. It didn't seem to make much sense. But um, but Downs has been unbelievably uh, successful in, in in getting them out of this mess. And I mean, I have no idea what to make of them for next season. But what's definitely the case, and what seemed to be the case, when Ardi was there as well. Is that the group of players they have is certainly talented enough to to win games at this level. Um, which Downs has been able to get out of that, uh, the best out of them as well. So fingers crossed they can keep hope of players and make some shrewd recruitments. But you have to think with AFC and always is going to be the case is that staying up is punching above their weight, and uh, and that's what he's managed.
0: Well, they are a team with a new stadium on the way, a stadium a bit like in in the case of Luton that essentially will raise the ceiling of the club, will raise the the the, the potential uh, for growth, and or and rather facilitate the potential for growth. And I think. Staying in League One was pretty key for that. So a, a big achievement as well as an impressive one and and kind of a dream scenario for so many fans who will be listening as well, that there are four academy graduates in that team as well. At League One level, it, it, it really is very rare um, that an academy bears fruit to that extent. But in the captain, Will Nightingale, in Hartigan, providing the, the quality at the base midfield, Sibic, the right wing back. Uh, and kalambayi uh, as well that the right center back in the back three that is that's just absolutely fantastic and and really really great to see so and also,
1: and for a club like that i mean that the resale value of one or two of those players could be so so huge mm. um going forward as well we've seen uh, at this level what a good academy can do for you if you can sell one or two of them on um just in terms of, of regeneration of talent and the club so um yeah i mean it's gone from being desperate times to really exciting times very quickly
0: and uh, more positive News was, uh, was was coming down at End. They beat Sunderland 2-1 on final day, having been behind as well. And that meant that they were safe. They did start the day just outside the relegation places. The fact that they won meant that no one could climb out of it. So, uh, uh, you know, a Sunderland team who have certainly got some identity issues at the moment and some confidence issues. Um, but your old mate Kevin Bond going in and, and, and doing an amazing job.
1: Yeah, I can have to speak to Kevin and try and get him on the pod this summer. Um, I mean, I absolutely sensational job. Um, I think again in a similar way to Downs, I think people couldn't really see um, necessarily the the clear logic as to as to, as to the appointment, but um, very quickly he has managed to arrest what was a pretty alarming slide at Southend and uh, and install some confidence, instil some belief. Um, and as you say, to to to, to go and beat Sunderland to um having a one nil down on, on on final day, um, a Sunderland team who, despite you know already having their playoff position confirmed, I mean as you say, in a complete crisis of confidence. So getting a win out route all would, would have been so huge. Um, so there's no way that they rolled over to to to, to let Southampton do it. So yeah, I mean a massive massive achievement. You have to assume that he'll you know he's going to get a chance next season to, to take them further on and best of luck to
0: him. Another man using 3-5-2 to good effect. Uh, they managed to keep Sunderland more or less at bay and it was a Sunderland team with Wyke and Grigg up front together with Maguire and Gooch playing out wide as well. Um, and Simon Cox, just what a sensational season he's had. It, it can be very difficult uh, to put you know, a player like Cox in any sort of team of the season or anything like that, because actually the numbers are never going to be right up there if you're playing for a team threatening relegation. But, you know, you can almost apply a multiplier, can't you, to a player like him's goals and assists because of the situation they've been in and and the the value of each goal, which is which is just amazing. Um, and, wow, he's been a goal scorer in chief, creator-in-chief. He's just had a fantastic season. It was good to see Humphreys get the goal. I've always thought quite a talented young striker who's not always uh, had the easiest time. First half of the season at Scunthorpe and and, uh, second half of the season at Southend, but he he did show a bit of quality to poach that winning goal. What it meant was that Plymouth and Scunthorpe, who came up against each other in this massive game, we thought the winner would would probably stay up, and uh, it wasn't the case. And Uh, as difficult as it is for those two teams, George, given what happened in the game, it's almost a bit of a relief to some extent that what did happen, uh, some controversy uh, didn't sort of ultimately matter.
1: Definitely. I mean, although I would say from a neutrals' point of view, it's a bit of a shame that having got the winner Plymouth, that that didn't get Plymouth safety because after what they had to endure with Josh Morris, I mean, the the one thing about, I mean, if anyone who hasn't seen, which I'm sure everyone has, um, you got Matt Macy rolling the ball out on one on one knee, having made it very clear that he's injured. Um, and Josh Morris picks up the ball wide right. In fairness to him, plays an unbelievable lob from about twenty-five yards on the touchline. But, um, but terrible, terrible sportsmanship. Um, you know that you've got the Scunthorpe owner after the game apologising to Plymouth, having to do that when he's just had his team relegated, saying it wasn't in the ethos of how he wants the club to be run. Um, and you know, no Bielsen... Uh, sympathy. There was no uh, hint of, of, of letting them have a goal to um, to go back ahead. I guess, given the high stakes of that match as well, it would have been pretty impossible to do so. Um, you don't really want to see it. And, and as I say, just happy it would have been a great story had Plymouth managed to, on their own right, come back and win it and stay up. Uh, but it wasn't to be the case. I think they needed three more goals in, in injury time um, to do so, and, and obviously failed to failed to do that. But uh, but yeah, I mean, as I say tough one for Plymouth I think anyone who condones uh what Josh Morris did probably needs to find a new sport and um and yeah just but as you say a massive shame for both for fans of both clubs
0: I uh I don't really enjoy the fact I don't really enjoy the fact that and I understand why we do but I don't really enjoy the fact that we do the whole you know there was so much at stake that that I can see why they didn't give them a goal because of, of what was at stake I mean that it's not ideal, that is it? It shouldn't be sort no. of well. There's not much on this one, so we'll be, you know, we'll we'll, we'll be good people but about it's... it. Oh no, there's quite a lot riding on this one, so we'll we'll just park the morals to one side. It doesn't feel quite right to me that.
1: But that's why I mean, it was a very easy decision for Bielsa to make because at the end of the day, it made very little, if any, difference. Mm. Whereas to make, to make that call uh, on Saturday would have been. Um, but it've been a huge moment in basically both clubs' modern history. So it's a bit it's a bit more of a burden to take on if um you know if the fan base or if your boss or if the owner or if the players don't agree with you. Yeah. When uh, when when you could be asking a team to score a goal that could that's going to relegate you.
0: Scunthorpe's relegation probably not that much of a surprise they have just had such a poor season really and and the fact that they're on their third manager uh, kind of reflects that the fact that when you think of key players for Scunthorpe, it's very, very hard to think of anyone that's had a massive impact, a positive impact on the team this season, and that is um, that's a big issue because, as discussed before, you know this is this is a team that did have to cut costs somewhat last summer, but still kept a, a core of players that wouldn't have exactly been assembled cheaply, put it that way. So uh, it's it's a big wow, well, it's just a big relegation for them, and they have to start getting things right. Um, and you wonder who will be the manager next season. You wonder how much of this squad will remain. Um, as for Plymouth, George, I mean, they were twelfth in mid-March. Now, obviously, I'm being a bit cheeky saying that because we all know how close it was and how how in terms of points, it you know it was only probably ever five or six, maybe at most. Um, but I, I'm still kind of shocked that Plymouth got relegated. Like, where did
1: that where did that come from? Yeah. I think, as you said, <laughs> given how many teams there were down there, I think there was always a chance of, of one of, you know, 12 of them uh, being that team. I think that we've also seen, uh, if you take out a, a four-month spell um, at the, you know, the, the back end of last season where they went on that run, Plymouth have been one of the poorest teams in League One um, for the best part of two years. So it shouldn't be a massive surprise that they have gone down, you um, the, the breakdown of the relationship between the players, the fans and Derek Adams was, was I think th- the one thing about Adams was after the promotion and then after the, the kind of the, the Lazarus uh, nature of last season, where they went from basically relegation certainties to be on the cusp of the playoffs. It meant that there was that air of invincibility about him, which is so important to the way that clubs work. I think you look at someone like Wilder now at Sheffield United and he enjoys that. I mean, there's not a single fan who doesn't think of anything less than 100% of, of the impact that he can have at the club. I think Adam's almost had that, um, and then very quickly over the course of this season, uh, it vanished. And, and given the prickly nature of the man, given the way he's viewed by most opposition fans, um, that very quickly turned sour and uh, and ended up being the nail in their coffin. But um, you know, they're, they're a big club, and you can't be too concerned about them. I think the way that they they are run, I'm, I'm sure they'll make a, a, a smart decision uh, on on the new manager over the summer. And uh, and I'll expect them to be fighting at the top end of the league too.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a, uh, it's gonna be a good job. I mean, well, the weird thing about Adams was, he was first team manager, but he was also head of football at the club. They would appointed him head of football, and I. That's do- exactly
1: what I mean. And they just seem to think let's make I, him in charge of everything. Yeah,
0: what? The, like, what on earth is that? Like, if well, you put it this because- way, if you're a manager. And you're the, and you don't have a director of football, and so that it's clear that you're an old school manager, shall we say, who has all the power. Then you don't need to be called head of football as well.
1: No, but I I think at the time it was basically a PR exercise for the, for the club. I mean, the fans just were so completely on board with with Adams and the, and the project he was had at the at Plymouth that I think <laughs> calling him head of football and and making him the un you know undisputed person who was responsible for all football activity at the club was at the time seen as being a positive step easy for us to now say looking back maybe not but at the time i i, I doubt we'd have argued with it i think even when we wrote the series of the, the top 10 best managers i think i would have said something right on that lines give him the you know give put the destiny of the club in his hands and you'll be fine um mm. <laughs> what, 18 months later it doesn't look quite so clever
0: yeah D- did you know that when he was ross county manager his dad was the uh, director of football there Uh, Derek Adams' dad, George Adams. So, yeah, uh, interesting. Interesting stuff. Well, it is going to be a big job for whoever takes over Plymouth. I mean, um, Adams was so linked with Graham Carey, who he brought down with him from Ross County, that you'd have thought Carey will, maybe a year or two too late, actually, sort of cash in on his credit uh, and, and and move well at least try and stay in league one and, and lamirerez as well I've seen linked to bordeaux so there's going to be a job on someone's hands putting together a, a team to challenge in league two
1: and, and from what I'm reading on social media I don't think plymouth fans would begrudge carry a move pretty no. quickly i think I think they've lost all faith in him this season
0: yeah well there was plenty of venom behind his his uh, his winning goal uh, on yeah. the weekend so where do we go now well Luton Work crowned champions. Uh, Barnsley lost at Bristol Rovers. Luton beating Oxford. Um, and I don't think there's too much to add there. I mean, same question to, to when we spoke about Norwich and Sheffield United. I suppose George, we, we will be talking about them plenty. So this is not farewell. Um, but a, a little recap on on Luton season, which has ended them as champions, having finished second in League Two last season. It, it's uh, it's quite the feat.
1: Yeah, a, a huge feat, and and. Given what happened with, with Nathan Jones, uh, you have to have massive respect for for the players to to continue to form um, without their with their manager uh, Mick Harford obviously steadying the ship and, and being that person to keep them in line. But still, I think even by his own admission, having very little to do with um, the way that the team set up, basically beyond what they were used to. in uh, Graham Jones coming in next season, it's very hard to make a make a judgment call on if that's going to be successful or not. You have to think that. You know, if it was the same recruitment process as Nathan Jones, and the fact they're willing to wait, you know, and put a promotion basically in jeopardy, uh, willing to wait for their man suggests that he's probably got a fair bit about him. Um, but even so, I mean, we've seen this season uh, Wigan um, and Blackburn's promotion. Blackburn did very well to, to hit mid table. Wigan flirting with, with relegation. So if you're if you're mapping that across to next season, then Luton have got a massive job on their hands to to ensure they're going to stay up.
0: Yeah, he's had an interesting career so far, Graham Jones, uh, as as Roberto Martinez's uh, assistant at Swansea, and then at Wigan, and then uh, with Belgium, and then at Everton as well, um, and th- and then of course as Darren Moore's assistant. And this is where you know we, we must I must say that I don't know this from a- anything inside the club. I didn't bear witness to this, but there was certainly a lot of suggestion um, that he was, as assistant managers go. Uh, about as influential as as they come uh, with Darren Moore and this West Brom side earlier on in the season and uh, and as you say that kind of speaks to that there is a lot about him there's a there's clearly a big character there and uh, i think that has at times caused some issues with certain fans and and people within clubs but um you know there was there was definitely suggestions that certainly in terms of tactics and on the training field he was really the one that was sort of mostly hands-on. So it's fascinating that he gets his first job and it's a really interesting scenario, isn't it? Going into a Luton team who basically had a transformative manager previously in Nathan Jones who ripped them from, from mid-table in League 2 to the very top of League 1. Uh, and then, you know, everyone's sort of favourite godfather comes in and, and just is very nice to them all and doesn't really ask that much of them for a few months and they all have the happiest few months of their life achieving the best thing they've ever achieved with lovely, with lovely, kind Mick Harford. Um, and now you have to go in there and, and, you know, psychologically more than anything, in terms of motivation, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he approaches that one. In League Two, no, not in League Two, we should mention that Doncaster did get that final playoff spot. A playoff spot that I think we would both agree they do deserve although they only finished one point above Posh uh, in the end. A, a bittersweet one, this, George, for Grant McCann. And if there's anyone that we owe... Uh, I mean, you, you can't apologise for preseason predictions because, you know, it, 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 I, well, I'm not claiming that we know everything. That would be ridiculous, but... I mean, I'm if, confused if do, why,
1: why this is bitter.
0: <laughs> What's what? the bitterness? Did I not say bittersweet?
1: Y- you did, but then I, I just think, isn't it just sweet? It's just sweet, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. I think if anything, I think it's just sweet and sweet as in he gets to to get uh, Donny into the playoffs, well, and also
0: bittersweet keep- that his beloved Posh miss out. <laughs> yeah, as if <laughs> <laughs> the sweetest bit of bitterness you've ever tasted in your life. Sweet,
1: sweet. Yeah. Look,
0: I mean, um, we'd probably do uh, uh, as much as anyone owe them an apology. I think we had them in the bottom four, didn't we? And and. We we actually got a, a couple of tweets late on Saturday night, which made me laugh. Um, I think you won't have seen them because so I think you were out on the razzle. But um, uh, yeah, we had a couple of Donny fans dredging up our pre-season previews. And, and a, I thought you should you should probably get out more and celebrate your playoff spot. <laughs> um, but also, as I said to someone, I said. Um, he went, oh, yeah, you didn't reckon with the likes of Herbie Kane and Malik Wilkes. I was like, well, no, Herbie Kane had never played professional football before. And um, yeah, and and Malik Wilkes had had very patchy loan spells. So, no, I, we definitely didn't uh, predict them to be two of the best players in the league. And it would have been unbelievable foresight if we had. And the big one was, at, was McCann, I must admit. Again, just based on what he had done or what we had seen him do, what we perceived him to have done at Peterborough, uh, we didn't, we, we couldn't see this absolute transformation of Doncaster from uh, a team that were d- defence first and just about avoiding relegation under um, Darren Ferguson and uh, turning them into this wonderful attacking side that, if anything, probably could do with being a little bit more solid. But we're going to talk about their playoff uh, picture on the... Subsequent podcasts this week. So in League Two, it was MK Dons beating Mansfield to get third spot. They beat them one nil in this game, Georgian. I mean, it was it was a tight game, and, and Mansfield just desperately short on ideas here. They they really, you know, MK Dons were by no means dominant here, and it was nervy and it was tense. Um, they got a goal after just a few minutes, a free header from a set piece, um, and uh, a Wheeler who's the classic. He's probably only about five foot ten, but he seems to win about ninety percent of his aerial duels. And ever since back to his Exeter days, he was always very good at that. He headed it home. I just I, I left feeling desperately disappointed with this Mansfield team. First and foremost, who will now head into the playoffs.
1: you say that as if you were there. Well, um, I, I, I was
0: watching it on a on a stream with Daryl Clark, who is born and bred in Mansfield. I, I,
1: I left the sofa, and um, yeah, that is a shame for for, for poor Daryl. But and they're going to have to dust themselves down very very quickly and get over the the heartache. I think for Mansfield, the you know tough thing for them to stomach is going into this game. I think that as we said on the Besting podcast, they had to keep it tight for as long as possible. So to not only concede a free header after two minutes, but then not to score when you have got eighty eight minutes to to you know to throw caution to the wind and try and get the goal to to send you up. Um, is very very disappointing. uh They go into the playoffs now um up against a, a very very informed Newport County team, and I, and I think anyone who thinks that's going to be an easy journey for them, an easy ride, is going to get a bit of a shot. George, stop
0: talking about the playoffs. We haven't even spoken about <laughs> who they're playing yet. Look, um MK Dons on the flip side go straight back up to League One at the first time of asking. uh I was asked on on Sky Sports News this morning how big an achievement is this, and I. I sort of thought, well, of course, any promotion is a big achievement. Uh, and then I didn't want to be rude, but, I, you know, I, I did feel like bringing up the fact that we did expect them, you know, they, they they were expected to be up there. And in the end, they kind of made heavy weather of it. But I just thought it wasn't really the time to say that. So, um, but but it, it's certainly true. And, and, you know, they scraped past in this game. Uh, and this was a team a, a lot like Mansfield, who are much more impressive in the first half of the season, uh, to the second half of the season, injuries possibly a factor there, um, but plenty to do over the summer, I think, uh, if they're if they're to, you know, do anything like a, a Luton or let's say a Coventry.
1: Yeah, and I think and and, and AK's also got a, got his uh, contract running out as well in a couple of weeks, so that's a lot of goals and a lot of quality to replace if if he does leave. Um, but having said that, I mean, I, I do think that this is a case where where the club is in a better position now than it was when they got relegated. You think back. To the you know the the Nielsen and Makiki days of of, of the Chichi of of of, of twelve <laughs> was that only twelve months ago? Jesus, it was tw- twelve months ago, yeah. Like oh my God. it's just and and now they've got Paul Tisdale, um, you know, in charge in the dugout. They've got quality players around the team. A lot of the recruitment they did last summer was very very impressive. Um, Jordan Moore Taylor obviously going to be back fit at the beginning of next season, which is going to be a huge plus for them. They are as a football club, in just a far better place now after a relegation and a a promotion. Um, And and I can't imagine they're going to be too worried about another drop um, with Tisdale in charge next season.
0: Yeah, spot on. I'm pretty sure the first podcast we did, I think they had just been relegated from the Championship at that time. We've only been doing it for three years, in which time we've been League One back down to League Two, back up to League One again now. So plenty of yo-yoing up and down for MK Dons, but fantastic to get that result when it mattered in such a big game, and and congratulations to them. Uh, And down at the bottom, it was Macclesfield surviving. Um, We thought they would. They were heavy favourites to do so. All they needed was a point, and they did get that point in the end against Cambridge. But at one point, they were behind, and Notts County went ahead with a a soft penalty against Swindon. And for just a fleeting moment, George, Notts were surviving. But in the end, uh, Macclesfield, as we thought, they they did the business. And it's just been a, a day or two of waxing lyrical about Sol Campbell, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, although you you say that, I was thinking today, given how much kind of fanfare um, surrounding his appointment and surrounding his ridiculous soundbites, which still are ridiculous in national media, I I feel like there's not enough noise about... I mean, I know there's a BBC article, I know there's probably going to be a couple of things in in, in the papers tomorrow as well after the bank holiday, but I, I feel like given how much ridicule he's had to face... What he's done there hasn't really been spoken about enough. Maybe um, that's because so, there's
0: lots of people feeling a bit silly,
1: or or it's because there's just a massive, uh, for whatever reason, a massive bias um, where people aren't too interested in the good news stories about Sol Campbell, but they are about the um, the bad ones. Mm. Um, so, Sol, if you you know if you want to get in touch with us and you want us to blow your trumpet a bit, um, or if you want to invite us, you know wherever you go on holiday this summer, then then let us know and we'll come <laughs> and uh, we'll come and help you out in, with a nice PR exercise.
0: I would love to do a podcast with Sol Campbell. just I would just love to hear what he had to say about, about basically any topic. Uh, just, I mean, yeah, just to see he what then... he comes out Some of the phrases he comes out with are... I mean, I can't tell if they're absolute genius or nonsensical. I think, you know, probably a mixture of the two. But he's done a fantastic job. And look, we've said it before, but this Macclesfield side were adrift um, by, by a fair few points when he took over and they didn't have much quality in the squad. We knew that things off the pitch were not particularly rosy. So... Um, this is a a hell of an achievement Elliot Durrell uh, with the equalizing goal and he's been a key man he was injured for a big part of the season um, but came back and has had a big impact he's kind of like their Jack Grealish I would say um, to to, to some extent anyway uh, and Notts County we say goodbye to Notts County of course the what is it the longest serving football league club that was still in the football league or had never not yeah, been in the football hadn't, league hadn't been out. Mm. Uh, it's amazing how often that stat has been trotted out and I still can't remember it properly uh, anyway uh, that that's not particularly important at this stage because what is important is just how wrong this has gone over the last 12 months another thing that we certainly didn't see coming in the summer uh, hard to imagine uh, a, 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 a a bigger example of complete failure uh, george here from top to bottom
1: yeah um well, I think I think from top <laughs> is basically the the key thing here. I mean, it's it's a failure from top. It's a failure from the person who who runs the club who puts the money into to do any of the key responsibilities, the way the players are recruited, the quality of the players, the personality of the players, um the actual contracts themselves, where if as we're told, the as the reports are, they don't have any relegation clauses, uh, means that they're in an absolutely terrible position, position terrible position before next season even starts. Uh, an inability to recruit the, a, a manager who's either a good fit for the club or a good personality fit for the players or is of good enough calibre to manage them. Um, to take a, a squad... I mean, League Two is a, is a notoriously hard league to get relegated from. Um, and uh, by the way, I'm not putting lardley into that last category. Um, but uh, to, to take a squad that's been so expensively assembled with the experience that they've all got and, and the quality, supposed quality of these players... And to end up in 23rd position is absolutely inexcusable. And if if the owner is looking for anyone else to blame except for himself, then then that's a, a that's the first issue of next season um, already because that football club needs to change the way it's run.
0: Yeah, I meant from the top of his head to the bottom of his <laughs> shoes. That's what I meant. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. But, I mean, yeah, that that's it, it's been a mess. I couldn't have put it myse- uh, better myself. Well, the, the main stat for me, someone claimed the other day they have 40 outfield players still on the books. I'm not sure it's quite that many, but it's not far off. Um, the other stat that just sums up how discombobulated the whole season's been is there's, they've only got four players who have played more than 30 league games. Now, 30 league games out of 46 is two-thirds. So, only four players that have played... More than two thirds of the game, so that just that just shows you how inconsistent everything has been, really. And and it all started with poor recruitment, and then more poor recruitment, and then a bit more poor recruitment just for just for luck. Um, and it's a, a disaster. And we wish the fans well as they move down into non-league, and we hope that it's not too long. Well, I think. Till we're I think especially.
1: I think it's you know we we can say that with everyone, and, and it is the case for Yeovil, and whatever but I think given the precarious situation that they're in at the moment I think we can say with some gusto that fingers crossed we're speaking about Notts County very very soon and
0: it was Newport who made the playoffs I ruined that at the top of the show you ruined it a couple of minutes ago but they did the business I mean they they got a point didn't they from behind and if Exeter had managed to get a winner at Forest Green and they probably had the ascendancy for the majority, um, it would have been Exeter, so it 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 wasn't exactly like Newport completely took charge and did the business. But thankfully for them, Exeter weren't able to do that as well. But um, as things go, George, this is uh, the, well, this is fantastic. I, a little preview of my of my um, I wrote the bit about Newport that's going on Times Online. And, uh, and, and I wrote, making miracles seem mundane. Mike Flynn's Newport County have been a joy to follow. Oh, he's and they, proud of that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, oh, I thought about writing another song for them like I did on the betting show, but I, I went against that. Um, but yes, I mean, look, let's just quickly run through this. Uh, he took over in March 2017. They were 11 points from safety in March. Uh, they masterminded or he masterminded a survival confirmed on final day with an 89th minute winner. Uh, In the last two seasons in the FA Cup, they beat Leeds and took Tottenham to a replay last season. This season, they defeated uh, Leicester and Middlesbrough on their way to the fifth round. Podrick Armand, I really like this stat. He scored seven goals in the FA Cup this season. Um, A a nice spread of opposition that he scored against in the FA Cup. Uh, Met Police, Wrexham, Leicester and Man City. (laughs) <laughs> uh, which I thought was rather good and, and Middlesbrough as well so look uh, they're an exciting prospect for the playoffs aren't they and we we can't really say too much more because we've got so much to say about them over the next few days but uh, a great end to the season
1: yeah I mean you've, well it's not the end of the season yet so what a uh, great they, end
0: to the regular season
1: they've, they've done well to elongate their season um, but as you say I think uh, without saying too much I think the cup successes that you mentioned are going to make them a pretty interesting prospect uh, in the next couple of weeks, because they've got a manager who certainly knows how to how to best approach these kind of games. Um, they're in absolutely flying form at the moment. Their home form is is well, just their home record this season, except for one um, anomaly, uh, is is just superb. And um, yeah, I'm I'm excited about Newport County going forward.
0: Yes, me too. Uh, unlucky to fans of the clubs that just missed out on the playoff. Birth. I'm talking about Colchester, who had such an impressive win against Lincoln. Champions Lincoln ending the season without a win in six George. I'm very worried for them moving up into League One, and there have to be question marks over the manager. Um, that's that's uh, obviously not not what I think. That is a joke. Uh, Colchester and <laughs> Exeter. Sorry, you you were so quiet. I was just a bit worried that you were taking
1: me seriously there. Well, no, I my my uh, doorbell rang, oh. and I wasn't expect, I wasn't expecting anyone, so. <laughs> That's always a worry. I, just, I just had a bit of panic, but uh, I think it's being sorted
0: out. Right. Well, that <laughs> is as good a time to finish as ever. You must go and get the doorbell. Um, I'm going to enjoy a nice cold beer this evening, George. After a busy weekend of EFL action, Well done, mate. and ahead of uh, ahead of what will be uh, another busy week for us, previewing the playoffs in the best way we can with Paul Hurst and Nick Goff. So please make sure you're subscribed, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this is a nice end to your bank holiday weekend or start of the shortened week Uh, let's all stay positive as we head into the playoffs and if anyone wants to come and watch playoff football with us we are doing that on the 11th which is next saturday in london if you dm us this saturday this saturday the 11th (laughs) if you dm us on twitter or send us an email if you prefer ntt20.pod at gmail.com we can give you all the details it'd be great to see you there